For those who prefer Linux or are simply curious about Linux and other open source technologies, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Episode number 274 of Category 5 Technology TV. It's Tuesday, December the 18th, 2012. Nice to see you. Hey, everybody. Sasha Dermatis, everybody. Yes. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good. I have to apologize in advance. I have a cold, so my voice may not last. But <laughs> other than that, fine. I'm yeah. ready for Christmas. So, yes. like, in the minority. Excited. Totally excited. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to rock. It, it feels like it's been so much time, and, and you were on the show... Back in November and then uh, December, or, or no, uh, October, we had our anniversary show. Yeah. So you were a part of that, and, and then some time has passed since then, so it's really good to see you again. It's, yeah, it's been a while, but I'll be back more frequently, like Fantastic. next week. <laughs> Special delivery? Excellent. All right, we're going to look at that in just a second. All right, so coming up in the newsroom... Mozilla, Mozilla. I might say that wrong. She's thinking mozzarella. I'm thinking mozzarella. (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) Mozilla is bringing out its own line of smartphones based on the new Firefox operating system. Okay. What? I want to hear about this. And you will. Mozilla Fire... Uh, phones and a Firefox OS? Yes. Cool. All right. Some bad news. A Trojan is stealing tens of thousands of dollars from European banking customers. Bad news if you're a European banking customer. (laughs) Good news if you are the Trojan. Um, (laughs) Google Maps is back on iOS. Um, A new robotic arm moves like a real arm and can be controlled by thoughts. Is that your robotic arm? I'm controlling it with my thought right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and best news of all, a 3D printer has been created in the UK which prints intricate chocolate treats. <laughs> awesome. Fabulous. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. Sounds good. Uh, also, uh, I want to make mention uh, that our mobile site is up and running alive well. M.cat5.tv. Make sure you check it out. And you can scan that QR code or just visit that on your mobile device, m.cat5.tv. This postcard just arrived from Hotham. Sweet. Let's see. Can you make it through that, all right? I think so. Hey, gang and Robbie. Oh, maybe. I finally found this postcard that I bought while working at Hotham. It is hot ham. Hot ham. Hot ham. In, uh, Australia. Victoria, for Australia. three months, but misplaced it in the move, and the move home at the end of winter, which is our summer. 
better late than never. Love the show. Keep it up. We'll try and send more cards from my travels. From Giles. My something uh, rock. Pyrus, Pyrus rock this world. There you go. Yeah, hey, Pyrus rock. P.S. Hope you can read the, my horrid writing. <laughs> oh, I should have read the P.S. The, first. The kangaroo <laughs> stamp there as well. Very Super. cool. Thank you very much, Pyrus rock. Thank you. Excellent. Um, just a real quick mention. <laughs> if you didn't catch it, make sure you go back to episode number two sixty nine, Bailey J. Thompson's uh, book. Uh, Gerbs in the House is uh, is available now, and it's it. We've got a copy for the kids. Look at that episode two sixty nine. We actually talked to her, and uh, you can get a copy of the book uh, off of her website. All the links are there on episode number two sixty nine. So make sure you check that out. Awesome. Right, we've got to take a real quick break. We've got another announcement for you for a wonderful giveaway, but also we're going to be taking a look at a brand new line of printers from Brother Canada. Stick around. Uh, we've got a, a guest. Uh, Tanya is uh, joining us as well. We're we'll talking to her, so check us out in the chat room. Make sure you say hi, Category5.tv, and we'll be right back after this. Join Category 5 Technology TV on December 25th for our Christmas special with musical performances by our on-air team, plus a special guest performance by our co-host from Seasons 1 and 2, Carrie Webb. Don't miss the Christmas special, Tuesday, December 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. www.category5.tv at EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon-neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com all right. Category 5 TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson, joined by Sasha Dermatis tonight. And uh, you can find our website at www.category5.tv. Pleased to have uh, Tanya uh, Gofredo joining us from Brother Canada at brother.ca tonight. It is fantastic having you here, Tanya. Uh, good to see you. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here tonight. Yeah, we're, we're excited about this new line of printers from Brother Canada. Uh, it is the Business Smart line. I, I'm going to let you kind of take it away and explain to us what is so exceptionally exciting about this product. And it's interesting to be excited about a printer because it seems like printers have kind of always been the same. And when the multifunction centers came out, they have grown and gotten better quality and better and better. But this is now all of a sudden with Business Smart, it's, it's almost like there are a, a substantial amount of innovations uh, going on. So I'm going to let you kind of take it away and just explain to us uh, what, what the Business Smart line means to Brother and what it means to the, the consumers on the other end as well. Sure, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear that you're excited because we at Brother are very excited about this, uh, this new line of, uh, of printers, of MFCs. Um, it's really a, a series of machines that combines everything the small business professional needs. Um, it's revolutionary, it's new, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hot. Uh, basically, um, what it allows consumers is to, uh, it allows them the freedom not to compromise anymore. So what's happened until now, when consumers were looking for inkjet machines, they were usually faced with some type of compromise. So if they were looking for a machine that had um, 
lots of business features that usually meant getting a bigger, bulkier machine. Right. But if they were looking for something more discreet, more compact, they usually had to give up some of those important business features, those features that we've all come to love and use um, on a day-to-day basis. So the Business Smart series really combines both form and function, um, and it really offers a complete solution uh, for small business professionals. Would it be okay? Now, I've got an MFC J4510DW here uh, at the studio. If you could just kind of run through some of the, the interesting specs about this, I'd love to, uh, to show the viewers what, uh, what is different about this printer. Absolutely. So um, I think one of the most revolutionary features of the machine is this new landscape printing technology. Right. So if you compare it to a, any other machine, any other printer that's on the market right now, the way the paper is fed through the machine and stored in the machine is in portrait orientation. Yeah. Business now I'm, I'm going to open this up. Now, I've actually got it sitting on a stool, so it's, it's a little bit hard to get that out, but now the viewers can see that. Perfect. So this is eight and a half by 11 paper in that printer. Yes, so what we've done is basically we flipped the tray um, on its side. So now the, mach- the, the paper is fed and stored in the machine on its side in the landscape orientation. And right. that really, it's that feature that has allowed us to um, greatly, greatly reduce the depth of the machine and has uh, permitted this beautiful design and this sleek integrated design as well. Right. Now, so 11 by 17 is, is a possibility with this printer. And that, of course, is, is a part of the landscape uh, layout as well. Yes, um, and 11, 11 by 17 printing is, uh, is a trend that we've seen um, uh, on, the, on the growth. Uh, it's yeah. growing. And I mean, that's a feature that um, anyone can use, whether it be architects, engineers. I mean, I use 11 by 17 printing all the time, even for, sp- for spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you get these really number heavy spreadsheets and you're trying to read details on uh, eight and a half by 11 uh, paper on 11 by 17 it's just clearer it's easier to read right. um, it's more concise so it's really something that um, it's an added value to this machine definitely I think also great for uh, small medium businesses that want to be able to put up their own posters uh, things like that right 11 by 17 is take two eight and a half by 11 sheets and stack them and that's that's the size of it like that's a a really for large sure, piece of paper for sure that really brings in the whole concept of insourcing versus outsourcing so in the past, if a small business owner had to um, print something a little more sophisticated, that looked a little better, uh, they would run out to their local office supply store and, and outsource the print job. Now, with something like the Business Smart, you can do it. They can do it from the comfort of their own small office. Right. Mm. The design is is obviously quite beautiful. You've uh, just done a, a wonderful job on the design of this system. Uh, one of the interesting things about it is that it's got a 3.7 inch color touch screen as well. Uh, which is a little hard to see on the screen, but viewers can actually see that it is uh, a touch screen and I can actually move icons around just by swiping just like a smartphone or a tablet kind of idea. Very intuitive and it was very, I'll I'll be honest, it was extremely uh, easy to set up. Mm -hmm. We got it on Wi-Fi. I have it actually plugged in just to power. There's, it's everything else is on Wi-Fi and I've uh, got my tablet set up. So if you'd like, uh, Tanya, we can demonstrate being able to scan and print directly from an Android device or an iPhone or, or anything like that. Sure. So uh, now looking at this particular device, uh, you see that the flatbed is here. So that, uh, is that a legal size flatbed? The, the flatbed is, uh, is letter size. Letter size, okay. So it's a, a slightly smaller uh, flatbed, but like you say, the, form, the uh, footprint of this printer is extremely small. Um, now, I use an MFC 6490 
CDW and that particular printer, it, it's like you say, it, it, it has all those wonderful functions like the 11 by 17, but it actually takes up that much space on my desk. Mm -hmm. and I love that printer. There's nothing wrong with, with the MFC 6490, but this one, the form factor is so small. I don't know if you can really grasp, you know, if you imagine that this is 8.5 by 11 paper, and we've only got an extra 3 inches on either side here, and the depth of it is quite small as well. So. It's actually it's actually the business part. One of the uh, key features is that it's uh, the smallest in, in its class right now. It's actually 35% smaller in footprint from anything in its class right now. The actual depth of the machine is 11.4 inches, so it's uh, it's really narrow, and it um, it's just one of the the main features that we have, uh, as well as 11 by 17 11 by 17 printing that we've mentioned. It's also super fast. It's uh, fastest in its class as well. Um, wow. So it uh, prints 20 pages per minute ISO in uh, in black, as well as 18 pages per minute ISO in color. So it's really the, the combination of fast print speeds, easy to use with the touch screen, as you mentioned, and the touch panel, as well as the swipe, tap, and drag. Um, low cost printing, thanks to the uh, super high yield ink cartridges. Right. And, um, and again, the design, it's all about the look. It's, uh, it's very compact, doesn't take much space. So for those uh, small business um, um, professionals who don't have much space in their offices, it's, it's, it's a perfect fit. Right. Now you mentioned super high yield cartridges. Now I, I work with high yield cartridges in all my printers because then you get kind of better bang for the buck, but what is the super high yield? This sounds like something new. Yeah, so the super high yield cartridges with this series, it actually it yields um, approximately 1,200 pages. And uh, the, the super high yield benefits um, are, are twofold. Uh, so for the consumer, it means it's a pure um, a saving story. So the more ink you have in your cartridges, uh, the less your cost per page is. Right. And it's also, also really convenient. So the more ink you have, again, in your cartridges, the less trips to the local store. Um, right. It's convenient, it's cost savings, but it's also very good for the environment. So um, with the whole recycling, um, unfortunately, you know, with the uh, the more often you change your print cartridges, uh, the more waste, the more plastic goes into landfills. Sure. And um, for Brother, we're extremely environmentally conscious. It's extremely important to us that we support as much um, recycling and um, environmental protection as possible. We have a huge, um, a global program actually called Brother Earth. Uh, that's all about recycling. For example, for our toners, we have um, have a recycling program as well. And um, if anyone is interested in, uh, for more information on our on our Brother Earth initiatives, strongly encourage you to visit uh, BrotherEarth.com to get um, um, more information on all the initiatives that we have regarding the environment. That's wonderful. We can certainly appreciate that here at Category Five uh, with our green <laughs> initiatives. And and, uh, and I love the idea of the super high yield cartridges and and just the whole printer now looking at kind of like from a technical standpoint and not not to be you know we're we're just looking at this amazing new printer so we are kind of excited about it so i don't want to sound like we're sales not, pitching not kind of excited super excited it's really a great <laughs> device i mean like you see how small this thing is and, and i am used to that whole thing that, that tanya is mentioning that if you want those business class features it's got to be a huge footprint and taking up a fair amount of space this is not i am the person in my office who goes to run out and get the ink cartridges so i'm oh, just yes. really excited about the super <laughs> high yield. Quality-wise, though, I'm impressed. Uh, printing goes up to 6,000 by 1,200 DPI, uh, and the scanners on the Brother MFC printers, has al they've always been uh, impressive. I mean, I, I re-scanned a lot of stuff 
from the old days when I had a, a flatbed scanner and I had a good flatbed scanner. Mm-hmm. But then when I got a multifunction center from Brother, it was such better quality that I re-scanned everything. It was just so much better. The scanner on this thing goes up to 19200 by 19200. Like the resolution of that 48, uh, it's a 48-bit scanner. The yes. quality is just exceptional. So uh, kudos on a fantastic product. I mean, Great, thank you very much. I think for scanning, it's also it, it's uh, it's good to mention that it's also uh, the different. You can scan to uh, OCR, scan to images, scan to uh, files, to media. There's lots of different yeah. ways you can use the scanning um, feature. OCR being ca- uh, character recognition, so you'd be able to scan in a document and it would convert it over to a, like an actual document as opposed to a scanned image. Uh, exactly. Now, one of the things that really excites me as well, I've I've been getting more and more into my Android tablet and. To know that Brother is already there for, for Android and iOS, and I understand a lot of other devices as well, um, is, is pretty cool. So have, yeah. you ever, have you ever wanted to print something from your phone, like you're on a website, and it's like, well, I need to be able to bring this up, so you've got right. your iPhone or whatever, and you want to be able to, to do that. I'm going to actually bring up iPrint and Scan, which is a free app that's available um, in the uh, Android uh, Play Store and also in, uh, I guess, Apple's. Store. I don't know what the Apple Store is called. Is it just called the Apple Store? I think so. Okay. The Apple Store. All right. Let's just say I want to do, I'm going to print a web page. So I'll just click on print a web page. Brings up Google by default. Let's just go to Wikipedia, just because it's a good example. And I'll do a Star Trek article. How's that sound? Because we're all just a bunch of geeks here. All right. Wikipedia. Star Trek, because we're printing text here. All right. We can print graphics. I mean, with that kind of resolution, it's going to be fantastic as well. There you go. Okay. So now, I'm actually going to bring it up on uh, on this camera here, because you probably, I hope, be able to see it. Oh, backlight doesn't work very well on there. So, unfortunately, let's bring it up here. Okay, so big print button at the bottom there. There it goes. So now it's going to give me a print preview first and foremost. I can print just the currently viewed page or print all. See that? Oh, nice. This is right from okay. my tablet, right? So. All right. So let's print this. There it goes. And. It's about half here we go. Oh, and I hear the printer doing some. I hear some action. Yeah. It is definitely. And that's done, uh, as far as on the compu- on the screen goes. So it's done. Now I can take pictures and I can print them. Can I can scan to my tablet, to my phone. Okay. Can you be off location? Can you be away from the house and print to that printer? I think is it just LAN only, Tanya? Um, that's a that's a good question. Um, it's uh, LAN Wi-Fi as well. Um, I would think. What's really important is that, uh, like you mentioned before, um, you were saying how Brother, um, you know, they were in right at the beginning from uh, with the Android device, and, and yeah. that's really important to us. It's really important for us to cater to uh, all the different users. So, like you mentioned, it is uh, compatible um, with the Google, with the Android and the um, the um, Apple iPhones as well as the Windows Seven. Um, so that's a huge. Uh, that's one of the things that Brother takes lots of pride in. It's yeah. just keeping to all the different uh, users' needs. Very good, definitely. Um, one of the other things as we're looking at, you know, this would be perfect 
I think Tanya for uh, small business is the exa example that just immediately comes to mind. Um, in particular, I'm thinking about home businesses. Right. I've been in a home business for eight, nine years, and it was it, it was tough to find a spot for a larger form factor printer. This has got all those features, um, but also one of the things that it has that we haven't mentioned here is that it has duplex printing yes. in that little form factor. Again, this is a very tiny little mm -hmm. thing. And you've done it somehow. <laughs> yeah, so we've, we've kind of got it all. And the duplex printing, that's another thing that ties in uh, very well with uh, the, the whole um, the brother environmental aspect because it is um, it saves paper. Um, yeah. And also for, for the consumer, it's um, another uh, way to, to save printing costs, which is extremely important for, for small business owners as well. Very good. I, I have opened it a couple times just to show, but it does have a sheet feeder at the top as well if you want to automatically um, run your documents through. If it's a multi-page scan, that will automatically put it over the scanner and then spew it out. So, um, And you can see how that works. So, We're uh, very excited to be giving away one of these uh, as part of our, our Christmas special next week. So, uh, And that is, of course, courtesy of Brother Canada at uh, brother.ca. And we've set up a special link for you. It's cat5.tv slash brother. And if you go to that link, it's actually going to just take you straight over to this particular printer. So you can learn all about it. Now, all these features, small form factor, perfect for a small business, medium business. Uh, it's got to be, uh, you know, how much is this thing? Well, you can actually get it right now at Staples for $199. So it's... Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's uh, it's perfectly priced uh, from for what you're getting at that price. You really, um, like you mentioned before, you don't need. You're getting everything that you can get from one of these these bigger uh, machines in a very small, compact design. Again, with the 11 by 17 printing, super fast print speeds, um, really easy to use. Uh, so as much as we um, become so tech uh, savvy, it's really important that um, everything we use is is intuitive and simple mm -hmm. to use. So it's very easy to use from the setup all the way down to the day-to-day -day, uh, usage of it. Yeah. Um, and again, low-cost printing as well. So it's really the ultimate uh, combination and uh, price that one eighty-nine. Well, you've done a. I mean, Brother's done a fantastic job at creating uh, the ideal small business printer. I think. One last thing, as it's, as the question is coming in, is does it have card readers? So I just want to show that yes, it does have USB uh, as well as card readers here. Uh, so all set. And then the other question is about Linux compatibility. So now I noticed that uh, that. On the website, it's not mentioned that, that Linux is a, a compatible operating system, but I'll just let our viewers know that uh, I, I did a little bit of investigating. If you go to, uh, let's see, I've created a quick link for you, cat5.tv slash brother Linux. Yep. And I'm just going to bring that up. So directly out of the box, it is Mac and Windows compatible. However, uh, there are um, drivers available. You can just visit our uh, our brother website and yep. our brother solution center, and you can download uh, the, the the drivers from our website as well. Perfect, and, I, and that's exactly what I just wanted to point out that the uh, the drivers are available for Linux, and that hot link will take you there. Um, as you as you're mentioning, it's the solutions.brother.com, uh, but that you can get there real quick. Cat5.tv/brother/linux. And Tanya, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Is there anything that we've overlooked at all about this? Uh, I mean, it, it's you've really innovated with this. I love the landscape design. Um, and for those who are wonder, wondering about the whole you know, 11 by 17, well, how do you actually fit it in? So it's actually fed in through the back. 
So you've got a, a second sheet feeder in the back that I can put my 11 by 17 paper standing up and it actually feeds in, which is, again, innovative and, and space saving. So well done. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, this was lots of fun. And again, if anyone wants to learn more about the the business smart uh, or the ultimate combination like i like to call it like we like to call it a brother uh please visit your local staples uh, store or you can um, just uh, learn more about it on um, our website uh, brother.ca fantastic thank you so much for being here um, thank you for having me. there's just another quick question about oh, okay. uh, small paper like postcards sure can you can you, you want to touch on that tanya sure um like all of our inkjets, you can print all the way from uh, four, uh, four by six in this case, all the way up to 11 by 17. So there are lots of different uh, sizes that are compatible with the business smart. Right, okay, so I'm just gonna show the, uh, the carriage here and you'll see, I, because this is sitting on a stool, it's a little awkward for me to get this out, but see it is an adjustable uh, paper carriage. Just like okay. you would expect, okay? So it's adjustable uh, to any, uh, pretty much any size that you need, so. Fantastic. Any other questions in the chat room while we have Tanya here? Um, welcome to throw those in now. Otherwise, uh, Tanya, it's it's been lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much. Do check out their website, brother.ca. Uh, fantastic printers, and, and we stand by them, uh, and we do appreciate your environmental uh, consciousness as well. Uh, but that, again, cat5.tv slash brother is going to take you directly to this specific printer. You're going to love it. So. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. And I am Sasha Dramatis. There she is. <laughs> Here I am. So we've got your viewer questions coming up uh, in just a few moments' time. We're going uh, to have uh, those exciting news stories for you. Uh, anything right. else going on in the chat room? Send greets out. And well, other than I gapped the chat room for about five minutes. Mm. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just see. Everybody's liking this printer. It's, I don't think. I know. I really, really want one. It would be absolutely perfect for my office. Well, did I mention that we're giving one away? So you don't want to miss next week's Christmas special. Um, next week we're going to be, we've got, I mean, one of the exceptional Thermaltake Level 10M mice <gasps> to give away. We've got the Brother brand new MFCJ4510DW to give away from the <sighs> Business Smart series. Uh, we've got EcoAlkalines batteries from EcoAlkalines.com. We've got uh, uh, just a fantastic slew of prizes for you on our Christmas special. So. I love that I'm going to be at the Christmas special. You're going to be cold. It's going to be me. Well. I know. Seems Next good. week. I heard that some people are going to be trying to stop by and do a little musical number. So Beautiful. That should be nice. I might even sing. She might. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for the news? Sure, yeah, we can take it away a little early. Oh, is it early? Well, um. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's do the news. All right. Okay. The creators of the popular browser Firefox believe they have more to offer than just a browser. Starting in 2013, a new line of smartphones will be released from Mozilla, which run the new Firefox operating system. Mozilla states the reason for making an independent operating system on Linux is to establish the HTML5 friendly environment using open only open technologies. Neat. Cool. While Mozilla hopes to compete against Microsoft's Windows phone products as well as Apple's iPhone, it seems apparent that they will be more directly competing with Android. More information is available on mozilla.org. And... 
We have online banking customers in Europe are falling victim by the thousands to a new banking trojan that is infecting Android and BlackBerry devices and capable of defeating two-factor authentication. The Trojan, dubbed Eurograbber by researchers at Checkpoint Software, Technologies, and Verisafe, is a variant of the Zitmo Trojan, Zitmo being the short name for Zeus in the mobile. Zitmo has, n has not moved outside Europe, but could eventually target customers in the United States, for example, um, as more banks require a second form of authentication for their online accounts. To date, the researchers said Eurograbber has infected more than 30,000 users and stolen estimated 36 million euros. Wow. Huge. Once the Trojan infects the customer's PC and mobile devices, it's able to transfer funds from a compromised account without the victim's knowledge in amounts ranging from, from 500 to 250,000 euros. So it's, That's it's a scary, scary one. It's bad. I believe that this kind of comes from a bit of a phishing scam where they trick you into installing an update to your banking software. And how... Uh, so you, you get the update to right. your banking software. Right. right. It, it could come in as an ad or something. You click on it, it's an update to, let's say, you use X Bank, and so it says the X Bank app needs to be updated. But then it's actually installing a, a sniffer or a, a fisher. Mm -hmm. So then okay, you load the brand new updated banking app and it's asking for your bank card and password again, so you enter it in, and it's not actually the banking app, right? Wow. So again, it's not a... I mean, they're calling it a Trojan, and I don't know if that is because of the way that it's being distributed and how it's kind of moving around, but realistically, it's, it's still, it falls back to phishing. It's sneaky because I wouldn't think that of just an update, to update an yeah. app, right? Yeah, well, it's or, scary. And yeah. with some of the stuff, you've got to be very, very careful when you're... <laughs> browsing the web and entering information that uh, you know always 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 be very overly well, conscious yeah. of that and now more and more people are doing online banking and i bank almost solely on my phone so yeah i'm even at the point now where when i'm entering passwords i don't ever hit enter to submit my password i always use the mouse to click on okay because i've had it happen where a program in the background was actually having my password typed into it oh so then i hit enter and it would submit it to that program and That's a good realize, tip. Right? Yeah, it's so overly cautious. Hmm. Google has released its Maps app for the iPhone in the wake of complaints about Apple software. Hmm. Apple contra con oh, oh. <laughs> controversially replaced the search giant's mapping system or service with its own when it released its latest handset, the iPhone 5. Fail. <laughs> <clears throat> The move was widely criticized after numerous mistakes were found in Apple Maps search results. Google's app introduces functions previously restricted to Android devices, such as voice-guided turn-by-turn directions, indoor pan panoramic images, 3D mock-ups of, mock of buildings, and quick-to-render vector graphics. So, that's cool. That's cool. Good to have them back. Good to have a, a fiasco. not dodgy mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here is Jan Schuerman, who is 53 and paralyzed from the neck down, was able to defy or to deftly grasp and move a variety of objects just like a normal arm. Brain implants were used to control the robotic arm in the study reported by the Lancet Medical Journal. 
Experts in the field said it was unprecedented performance and a remarkable achievement. Jan was implanted with two sensors, each four millimeters by four millimeters in the motor cortex of her brain. I know. She's eating a chocolate bar. Is that what she's doing? She is. She's actually able to lift up. I mean, this is somebody who, remember, does not have use of her arms. So the the joy that would come from being able to, through thought, just like you or I would would lift our arm just by thinking about it. Like, think I want to eat a chocolate bar. To be able to, you know, of course it's, you know, an early model, so it's a very large device that's connecting to her brain, but through thought she's able to move this arm and, and feed herself. Absolutely incredible. A hundred tiny needles on each sensor pick up the electrical activity from about 200 individual brain cells. The pulses of electricity in the brain are then translated into commands to move the arm which bends at the elbow and wrist and can grab an object. Jan was able to control the arm after the second day of training and over a period of 14 weeks became increasingly skillful. The report said that she gained coordination, skill, and speed, almost similar to that of an able-bodied person, by the end of the study. So, Incredible. That is amazing for the future. Or I guess for now. Um, and finally, technology is being used for something worthwhile. A team in the UK has developed the Chalk Creator V1, a 3D printer that uses chocolate to create intricate designs. The printer is filled with tempered chocolate using the same technique as regular 3D printing. It prints chocolate treats based on the CAD diagram, building up the design layer by layer until a three-dimensional chocolatey printed treat is achieved. Yes! Having your own 3D chocolate printer doesn't come cheap. The Chalk Creator V1 will run you about 4600 Canadian dollars. If you want a taste of what 3D printed chocolate is like, you can save some money and purchase one of the company's own chocolate designs, and it'll run you about $28. Get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, email newsroom at category5.tv. For the Category 5.TV Newsroom, I am Sasha Dramatis. Thanks, Sasha. I You're welcome. Thinking. $4,600. I know. Well, How I could sell. How much chocolate do I eat in a year? Is it And then if I sell chocolatey treats for $25 each instead of 28 Hey. I could. I wonder. Could print out it's pamphlets not, on my new brother printer. Right, this is good. That That's not that bad. So you get a like a chocolate company that creates truffles and this and that, and now all of a sudden you can walk in with a picture of your dog That's and right. have them create a three D chocolate rendering. I think it's a fabulous idea. I think that's pretty cool. Huh. So from moon rocks to uh, to chocolatey goodness. <laughs> Excellent. Nice to see everybody in the chat room. A. Jameson, 5579. Good to see you. Guest Harry. Great to see you, man. Uh, also following us on uh, on Facebook at cat5.tv slash Facebook. And a little tip for you. Uh, now, you, you follow us on Facebook. I do. Well done. Well done. And what do you notice about our Facebook uh, page is that uh, we have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Thanks to our very own Heather, who is here with us today. Who is behind the scenes yeah. right now as we speak. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you definitely want to get over there to cat5.tv slash Facebook, like us, and uh, you'll have access to those um, bonus behind-the-scenes kind of things. 
the question was asked on Twitter, well, why just Facebook? Can you not do Google Plus? I can't. Yeah. And, and and we we are building toward that, and so I'll just let you know that we are working toward that. That's a goal, but it's not a priority at this point. And that's what that comes from the fact that we are all volunteers, and that uh, uh, generally, you know, I'm the guy who updates Facebook and Twitter. Right. And so to add another social platform becomes a pretty pretty large amount of work. So um, so we do ask that you know give us a, a like on Facebook and uh, and follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, good chance to kind of learn about us behind the scenes and catch some cool stuff before it happens and things that you wouldn't normally catch. So, chat room, we welcome your viewer questions right there. Um, and I suppose you've got uh, some email that we can attend to as I well. I do have some email. All right. So, we have a question from Anders Martinson. Good guy. Yes, we are looking at Hootsuite for that. Sorry, I just... Uh, but Hootsuite doesn't support the new communities feature yet, as far as I know. So, hopefully, hopefully. All right. So, Anders. Hello. First of all, thank you for an insightful and educating and entertaining show and for transforming Linux and open source related topics from something regarded as difficult and nerdy to something interesting and fun. <laughs> something that is just <laughs> interesting and nerdy. See? <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Back in 2006, <laughs> I took it upon myself to learn about Linux 6.10. Uh, Ubuntu? 6.10? Yes. 6.10. So in 2006, <laughs> yeah, October's release. <clears throat> At that time, I had no interest in computers whatsoever, and as a result of my knowledge was lacking, and Linux was almost unknown to me. Hmm. Despite this, I decided to give this strange thing called Linux a try. Why? Well, let's say that a famous Redmond-based software company is to thank for that. Good old Microsoft. Yeah. After, let's see, after a pretty rough start getting to terms with this new and somewhat simple-looking operating system, I noticed a few differences. The hard drive was not always busy, and the rather old hardware performed amazing, which sparked my interest, and I've never turned back since. Hmm. Very good. Now, is there any preferably easy way of cleaning up the audio infrastructure in Linux? And by this, I mean a mix of ALSA, Pulse Audio, oh. OSS, and the intermix dependencies they have. Hmm. Is there a script, an application, a dedicated page on the web, or is it a matter of simply hacking away at various tutorials and how-tos and forums at the mercy of one's own knowledge, hoping not to damage the system beyond repair? Right. Well, I think it's, it's just understanding what each sort of system does, right? Because Linux kind of works as layer upon layer in a lot of cases, so mm -hmm. you can have a, a mixer that is operating, uh, you know, you look at Jack Audio Subsystem, for example, it operates in addition to your existing sound system. So you've got a sound system and then you use Jack to route the audio channels and things like that. So understanding what everything does. But if you're having a specific audio problem, let us know and, uh, and we can um, address that. But it's, it's okay to have ALSA and uh, Pulse Audio, for example. Okay. And it's just how you have it configured. Uh, but if you've installed some things that have broken audio, then yeah, it can sometimes be a little bit problematic, but hopefully that's not happened. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Anders. I don't know if there are particular, you know, if there's a specific script that magically heals all things audio in Linux, but uh, the, because you're on Ubuntu, I would presume having started with Ubuntu in 2006, you've stuck with it. Um, so um, get into the Ubuntu forums 
and that would be a good spot for you to ask your questions because that's a, a community of other users of that specific distribution of Linux. Um, and of course, there you can be a little more vague about your questions and, and, and ask to the entire community and they can say, okay, well, <laughs> what, uh, what does it do when you type this into the terminal? And then you can come back, and and so it's a, it's a little more flexible than on air kind of questions because we're here live. So, yeah. all right. But have fun with it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to mess around because it isn't hard to back up your home folder, reinstall Linux, and then restore your home folder, and you don't lose anything. So there you go. Mm -hmm. We have another question from Kamomi. And Kamomi, Hello, Kamomi says, just watching the show, still not live, not installing Adobe Flash for political reasons as well as for technical ones, <laughs> like the crappy software. Rather use, um, I'd rather use crap that is free than, again, this way I don't have to stay up until 2 a.m. By the way, oh. I think YouTube really works with Nash, not in HTML5, but actually in Flash. I guess they implemented just the necessary functions from the newer versions of Flash for YouTube to work. Oh, is that true? I don't know. I would have thought that it would just be HTML5, but I, I remember uh, Kamom, or however we say your name, um, with regards to not wanting to install Flash. And that's okay. I mean, so it's political, they say. So apparently it's against their political beliefs to install Flash. There you go. Which I understand to a degree. But I, I have mentioned it before. Sometimes there just comes a point where if things don't work, you can bite the bullet a little bit and be okay with some non-free stuff on your system. Yeah, I hear you, TikTok. I think about, for example, uh, I believe it was last week we were looking at VirtualBox and the ability to use USB peripherals within VirtualBox. Or how about this one, Fluendo, being able to listen to MP3 files. How, right. many, how many MP3 files do you have and do you enjoy listening to them? Well, you're using proprietary codecs in order to use those. So do we just say, okay, well, I'm going to convert my entire library to AUG, which is not compatible with my MP3 player, unfortunately, because it would be nice if it was. Or mm -hmm. do I just say, okay, you know what? I'll bite the bullet and install something that's not free. It is free as in cost. It's just not free as in freedom. Right. And that's what we're talking about. Politi Political issues. Yeah. Right. Because we like freedom. There's, there's a, it's a gray area. It's there's Yeah, a it's line. a bit dodgy. Yep. Okay, here is a comment from Robert, I'm sorry, Robert Gorzinski. Uh, Gorzinski. Yay. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> it's for Robbie and Eric, <laughs> but I'm going to take this one. All right, you take it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I ended up building my media server, file server, and went with free NAS over Unraid for a few reasons. I found that Unraid was slower at data transfer than free NAS, which wouldn't be a problem for day-to-day -day use, but for the initial backup or restore, it would take a lot longer. Oh. So, also free NAS allows for more drives over Unraid unless you go for the paid version of Unraid, which wouldn't be a problem if the performance was better. My setup of FreeNAS is using ZFS with the RAID, is it RAID Z? RAID, RAID Z, Z. Yeah. yeah, not RAID Z, giving me a total of almost 11 
tetrabytes of storage. Terabytes. terabytes. Oh, I was close. close. <laughs> Sorry, everybody in the world. Of <laughs> storage on At one share. At least you didn't share. say tuberculosis. Did you? <laughs> Which is what TV I feel I have. There. <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> I have um, six times. Oh, do you want me to do this? Six. Six, six two terabyte hard drive. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> X2 TB that's what it said okay <laughs> again i'm sick today you recommended back in time back in time for backups does this allow to span the backup over multiple drives thank you and keep up the great work <laughs> sure why not i mean you can mount you create your mount points that way right um first of all unraid being slower i i would i i wouldn't make that accusation i know some people have said when i first was looking at it that it was slow and I, I didn't find that I stream HD video from it and it's great but have you looked at cache drives for Unraid because you're talking about writing a large amount of data to the drive so what's happening to you is that when you and I know you went with FreeNAS but I want to be very very clear about Unraid because I don't like somebody saying something negative about something that's not true because you just haven't configured it the way I would configure mm -hmm. it in that case you are writing a large amount of data in your first backup so Unraid now is putting that on each of the hard drives, spanning it across all the hard drives um, based on whatever one has the most space. But it's also creating parity. So that if one of those hard drives crashes, you can pull out the hard drive and put it back and put in a new one and you don't lose any data. So that parity takes a little bit of time. Okay? A cache drive in your Unraid box means you've got, say, another two terabyte drive or dedicate one of your two terabyte drives to a cache drive. It doesn't have to be a two terabyte. It could be a 500 uh, gigabyte or something would be fine. As you're copying that back up to your, through your network, there is no parity being created. So the copy operation is as quick as just a data transfer. Uh -huh. Then during the idle cycles, when you're not being impacted by the speed, it flushes that stuff to the actual Unraid array and creates the parity during that process so it happens more transparently. So the cache drive would have been a good option for you. So. Okay. But not to say ZFS is not fantastic on, uh, on FreeNAS, um, but I did find Unraid was much simpler in order to use varying capacity drives. I've even got a couple of IDE drives in mine, uh, a whole bunch of S, you know, six or seven SATA drives and they're all intermixed and, and they, they work fantastically well together. They play well. Excellent. <laughs> um, other mention about a good guy saying, ZFS is probably the most advanced file system available. Very cool stuff. Unraid uses ReaserFS. Uh, it is a killer file system. <coughs> I shouldn't say that. No, that's terrible. That's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry I offended anyone. Uh, the but uh, w because it's ReaserFS, okay. That means when I pull a hard drive out of Unraid, I can plug it into another computer and I can read all the data that's on that drive. So, in the case of a catastrophic failure, your whole array is gone. Not that that's ever happened, but if it did, you can take the drives out and only have to recover the one that's crashed, right? With a traditional RAID, you've got to recover the whole set. So if it's six drives, six times $2,000, as opposed to one times $2,000 for a data recovery job. Right. Right? But also just the ability to be able to pull a drive, plug it into another system, and it operates. You can read the files that are on that drive. That is fantastic.
Sorry, I means it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just new. <laughs> I'm getting there. <sighs> okay, here's a question from Sovereign Entity. I own a Netgear Retinas NV+. When setting up the backup client back in time, I found that Debian doesn't show the network drives. Can you help with this? Thank you. You may do the remote if you like. Just no comments. Okay. About my many browsers or desktop. Are you, are you online right now? Um, sovereign entity? Are you in the chat room? So you've got uh, a ready NAS, NV+, and you're not able to see the network drives. I would expect that you know we need to create mount points, get it set up in your FS tab. Um, that would be the first place that I would start. But... Um, don't see in the chat room, unfortunately, so I can't make a remote connection. Could we, um, hmm, I don't know what to suggest. Go back over the show, get into search.category5.tv, do a quick search for um, SMBFS, all one word, Samba file system, SMBFS. And you should be able to pull up some episodes that talk about setting up a Samba share through your FS tab so that it shows up as a hard drive um, on a mount point and then you can run your backups to that drive. So hopefully that will uh, that will help you. And I can do that as well, you know, just go to our website category5.tv. Over on the right-hand side is search our network. Let's see what comes up SMBFS. Here's hoping. Nice and easy. There you go. Creating an SMBFS mounted connection using FS tab. There you go. Episode number 266. All right, so as simple as that. That'll that'll teach you how to do that. Um, so you can actually click on play right next to viewer question because there's the question. Okay, and all the instructions are there. So excellent, good stuff. Episode two sixty six, okay. and that's category five TV. Pardon me. All right, I have a um, question. Two red line from North Carolina asks. Hey, two red line. Redline says, is there a way to view episode episodes via Roku since they removed the YouTube channel? And if so, how? They removed YouTube? They removed the YouTube channel. That's crazy talk. Seriously? Says to Redline. Yes. So this box that you bought for your TV no longer supports the biggest online video platform in the world? What are they thinking? Anyways, yeah, uh, you can get the... We are on Roku through the blip um, app. Through the Blip app. It's called Blip. Oh, okay. Blip TV? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. That's Palmer. where you'll find us. Excellent. Okay. okay. Um, let's see. Here's a question about uh, Wirecasts. I was watching your April 20th show when you were demonstrating a few things on Wirecast. It was very in- it was a very informative video. Thank you. You're welcome. I had a question um, when you record to disk, I understand that you are recording to your hard drive, correct? How do you take that recording and transfer to a DVD? Are the settings different, or can it be done? And if so, what are the settings? What are the settings, or do I have to convert the Wirecast file to something different? This was uh, from John. Okay, John. Yeah, um, when you record to disk from Wirecast, Wirecast is a software you can see here, Sasha, that we're controlling all our cameras. Okay. Uh, and that's if you want to know more about it or download a free trial, cat5.tv slash wirecast. Um, but with that software, yes, you can record to disk. 
which is how we create the HT file for our uh, on-demand, for our RSS feeds, all that stuff. It's record to disk. But then, yes, in order to put it on a DVD, you have to convert it to DVD format. Right. So you create it in a format that works really well for you. In our case, I think we record to WMV. And the reason for that is a weird format I know for me to be recording in. We were recording an H.264 M4V, but what happens is, is that if, for some reason, we have a crash, that mm -hmm. file becomes corrupt, and so you can't recover it. With a WMV file for us, it was nice that if we did have a crash, which used to happen quite often uh, when we had the old server and everything before we upgraded, um, that file is still okay. <clears throat> so we can edit it and piece it together and fix the file. Okay. So you pick a file that works well for you, pick a format and, and a quality that works well, um, and then um, use a piece of software to convert it to VOB files. Because a DVD has an audio, uh, audio underscore TS folder and a video underscore TS folder. Pop a DVD into your uh, DVD-ROM drive in your computer. Open it up, not with your player, but through my computer or, or through Nautilus and Linux and browse the structure and you'll see that that's the file, the folder format and then within the video TS folder there are VOB files and a couple of okay. other kinds of files that control how the DVD works. Some of them are menu and all that kind of stuff. So what I would do, I'm on Linux here so and I'm not sure John what you're using because you didn't mention uh, I don't think. No. Okay. So you know what, it's still going to be the same. I'm going to go into sound and video and run DVD, DVD video creator system and I just go video DVD which creates a video DVD suitable for all DVD home players. This, if you're on Linux, folks this is installable through Synaptic Package Manager through apt-get. It's called DVD and it's spelt a little odd. D-E-V-E-D-E. -E -E -E. <laughs> Can't live without it. You simply name your title so this would be my show. Tell it what you want to do. Stop after uh, and show the uh, the disc menu when it's done. Do you want to play the first title when it's done? Do you want to play the previous title? Do you want to play this one again on a loop? Whatever. Usually, it's going to be the first option. Okay. And then you simply add a video. Browse for it. Hit OK. And then it's going to um, allow you to create the DVD structure. Now, the reason that I want to show you this, and it allows you to create a menu too. See, if I preview my menu, there it is. So this is the, now the DVD menu that it's going to create. Because a video file, if you just take a video file from Wirecast, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to just put that on a DVD and hope that it plays on your TV because it's not likely going to be Ew. compatible with your DVD player because it's not a DVD video disc. Right. Okay? So using DVD, D-E-V-E-D-E, -E -E, you can create those discs. But what's nice about it, Now, this is because you didn't mention your operating system, okay? You'll see that there are also MSI files available. Okay. Which means that this is also available up until version 3.17 as a Windows installer. So if you're on Windows, you can still use DVD. Now, on Linux, it's fantastic. It's open source. It's free, and it's available to you. Uh, so check it out. But on Windows, uh, we'll put links uh, for all that in the show notes for episode number uh, 274. 
How's that? There you go, John. I'll post that in the. Uh, that's the Windows version. Now the the uh, Linux version, of course, is simply. Uh, it's a different link, and it's a long one. Rastersoft.com slash programmas slash dvd.html. So I'll post those in the, uh, in the show notes as well as in the chat room for you. Super. Yeah. So we have JP hey, asking JP. if anyone knows of a good drive repair program for external drives. So you're looking to do data recovery, or what is it that you're hoping to accomplish? I don't know. Or are you hoping to actually repair it, in which case you may need to download software from the drive manufacturer. But if the drive has failed or is failing, you're losing access to the drive, there's a couple things to consider. First of all, if a drive... <laughs> pardon me. You're contagious already. If a drive is failing, <laughs> then you don't want to mess around with it. You want to be really, really cautious and wary of that. There are pieces of software out there that will say, you know, we'll recover your data you know, for 30 bucks with this piece of software. And sure, you'll give them your 30 bucks and you run it and it gets halfway through and then it crashes your whole hard drive because that hard drive is on the verge of failure. You really want to be careful of that. And I, I usually recommend against it just because losing all of your data is, is just, it's, that would just be catastrophic. So mm -hmm. that said, on SD cards and hard drives and um, any kind of drive at all, uh, I do use uh, PhotoRec quite often and it works fantastically well. Um, you know, sometimes if the batteries die in your camera, you lose access to your camera card. Right. The camera card is still good. You can still format it. It's not damaged. It's just you can't get the data off of it because the file system is corrupt. It's called logical corruption as opposed to a physical failure. Oh, okay. So if it's logical, then on Linux, I would install PhotoRec, which is a part of the test disk uh, package in Synaptic. Okay. So that's one there word. You go. Test disk. Test disk. All right. Do we have time for another question? We have three minutes. Is that time? Oh, yeah. It's time. All right. I think. I thought I would mention that after upgrading Windows 8 from Windows 7, I find the performance is greatly improved if you can get around having, one, having to use the modern UI. Most of the stuff I do, however, can be done via the desktop and not the modern UI. It feels like a new machine even due to the performance increases. For the record, I was one of those people who said that Windows 8 was going to fail, and if not for the modern UI on a desktop, I think it would be excellent. For a desktop without a touch screen, though, I feel like the modern UI can be cumbersome and annoying at times. That's the truth. This that is coming to us from Andrew Jameson. Oh, yes. And the comment kind of went out there when somebody had asked me, is it worth upgrading to Windows 8, and the truth is, no, it's not. Andrew's saying, well, I got a performance boost by doing this. Mm -hmm. But there is compromise there, because, you know, I, I tend to, with any Windows distribution, um, you know, a major release, you kind of want to wait till Service Pack 1, like get some of the kinks worked out. I already see, because, you know, we're starting to see support calls coming in for Windows 8 at this point, and there are major issues with certain devices, printers, file sharing over networks, um, in a mixed environment because Microsoft is no longer supporting Windows XP. So in a business environment, if you have Windows XP on some of your computers and you all of a sudden introduce a Windows 8 computer, it can be very, very problematic. So Okay. Now, good guy is saying to try classic shell in Windows 8. Would that help anything? That That is an, like gives you more of the Windows 7 look and feel, which is cool. But that's what I mean. It's not so much a usability thing. Yeah, I don't like the, the new you know square thing where it's really designed for touch screens, <laughs> but the, the truth is is that there are still some technical issues. 
So even if you're using the operating system, you're using the classic shell, it looks like Windows 7 and operates like it, but you still may have problems with printers. You may still have problems with networking. You may still have some problems with this or that. Oh, okay. So. Got it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been fun. Nice having you here. Nice being made here. Made it I'm the one yeah. who's been coughing. Which is awesome. Yeah. I just haven't been talking because I'm scared a cough's going to come out. Yeah. I will be healed up by next week. Perfect, because next week Yay, is, is Christmas. a wonderful Christmas special. We're hosting it uh, here at Christmas night, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern time. So yeah. same time as ever, uh, but Christmas does fall on a Tuesday. We've got a wonderful assortment of music, and uh, it's just going to be a, a fun step away from the technical uh, format of the show. That's and right. And we do have a lot of great prizes, like that wonderful printer from Brother, uh, as well as the mouse <laughs> from Thermaltake. And uh, the batteries from Eco Alkalines, we've got a, a ton of great stuff to give away. So don't miss it. Hope you can be here. And, Just uh, bring your turkey to your screen yeah, and watch us. Do that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Nashon. Thanks, Robbie. Take care. Enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.